One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Made by Mummers the podcast. I'm Zoe and I'm Georgia and we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations, tips and tricks, products we love and brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. Still the summer holidays. <laughs> Still the summer holidays. Are you getting on, mate? <sighs> yeah, all right. Fine. It's a funny one because I've obviously had some surgery. Um so I'd love to say that I'm being looked after, but we all know that doesn't really happen oh, when George. you're a parent. <laughs> is it painful? <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It is painful, but it's just got to be done. And I want to have my own teeth and I want to be able to bite into things. And so if I oh, want that, George. then this is the way I've got to do it. I'm really looking forward to eating a steak in a few weeks. Oh, delicious. You enjoyed that steak. Uh, isn't it amazing that when you're single and don't have children, or at least mm. don't have children and you have something mm. major like a surgery, you just get weighted on hand and foot. Mm. You know, it's either a parent or a sibling or a partner that comes and just looks after you. When you're a parent, it's literally like, right, get out, get on with it. Yeah, I know. Out, I sort of wanted it. to ask to stay over. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, I sort of wanted to be like, are you sure I don't need to stay the night? A <laughs> couple of nights? No, you don't. You've literally just had a tooth <laughs> operation. You definitely don't need to stay overnight. <laughs> anyway, how are you? I'm good. What's going on? I'm good. I'm good. I think I feel like I'm dealing with some quite big stuff in the house at the moment with the kids. And, you know, I've obviously spoken about Isla's hormones before and I've spoken recently and I've spoken about Luna's kind of big questions before bed but now it's my son who is insistent on showing his butthole to everyone <laughs> and I know it's funny I did not think you were going to say that <laughs> it's more like an obsession with his whole you know with his penis and his bum and it's like at any opportunity he could just isn't you know I'm not talking like flashing here but at home like I constantly find him like you know when they've got their head on the ground they've got their butt in the air and they just pull their pants down that is just what he's doing all the time and then Luna the other day was like it just kept showing everyone I was like who who else was there that you were showing it to it's like without like trying not to laugh because I know that you know you shouldn't be doing that but also he's a little boy and I just think well maybe he's just being a bit cheeky so I'd love to get your advice George what do I do to be honest I don't really have advice oh, but I Georgia. do find it really interesting don't you like because you kind of when they're little don't want to be too much like oh you know you shouldn't really show your bum hold to people because it's for you and da, da 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 and then you also just want them to be free and like feel like they don't need to cover up their bodies and all that kind of stuff I find that really difficult when Gigi and Axel are like showing yeah. each other their bums and like whatever their bits and bobs and I think oh that feels really weird that you're doing that but then I should just be like oh whatever you know like show each other your body parts so say what yeah that's fine I think that's fine but I do know what you mean they, they do this thing the bum kiss where before <laughs> bath 
they both get into that weird position with their heads on the ground, their butts in the air, and then they go, but their bums kiss each other. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, bum kissing, like, I don't know. I just think they're not going to be doing that when they're 14, are they? Well, so- let's hope not. If they are, there might have to be a slight intervention. (laughs) Then we've really messed up parenting. Yeah, this podcast has really not been very good or useful (laughs) for either of us. I just have to keep repeating. I'm just like, look, you know you don't show your privates to anybody, so just just keep keep it going and he you know but he's he's a bit gross he likes to like touch his bum and then try and put it on my he's just a bit disgusting sometimes but I just think and I hate to generalize but I do think that's little boys I think boys are obsessed with bums and poo and all sorts of stuff like that aren't they I mean Gigi is as well actually to be fair but I think she's got the influence from her brother and his friends so god there we go Gigi wonderful (laughs) wonderful any teachers listening who's gonna have her in their class in September good Good luck luck. Good luck. Right, let's get into today's chat. Another really fascinating conversation and a really beautiful insight into an area that Georgia and I have only heard snippets about before and actually haven't had any hands-on experience with, and that is the NICU. Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's not something you really know about unless you've had a friend or a family member or you, you know, or your child has been in the NICU yourself. It's kind of this like un sort of in sort of weird, like weird world that you don't know anything about because it's all quite secret and I guess it can feel to it can feel very scary like a really scary place to be but we know that so many of you guys listening you know ha- have experienced that you know and you're journey into motherhood hasn't been how how it's sort of you you planned it to be you haven't left the hospital straight away with your baby or you know just been able to get on straight away and there have been some complications so we wanted Mm. to hear someone's story um who had been through it um and just yeah just find out a little bit more about what goes goes on there but also Mm. if anyone is pregnant or is going through it right now she actually gave some really like nice advice into you know how it doesn't have to be so scary and we need to talk about it so that if it does happen you're not you don't feel so shocked and like anxious about it because it you know like for for her it has you know it's turned out absolutely fine yeah exactly exactly and all these conversations are so important like Georgia said you know you'll have the information you can refer mates to this podcast or if indeed you end up going through this you know this can be you know, the friend in your ear, giving you the ins and outs of an experience that we don't know anything about. So we're very, very grateful for today's guest, Georgia, who are we chatting to? We are chatting to the wonderful Sam from The Niki Mummy. Please welcome to the podcast, Sam, or you might know her as Instagram, as the Niku Mummy. Yay! Yay! How are you this morning? I'm good, thank you. Uh, Yeah, just um, hiding from all the pollen, safely inside my house. Oh no, Sam's allergic to the universe, or the universe is allergic to Sam. Which is the worst. That's not ideal. What really, have you been doing it? for like um, uh, a sort of a hay fever cure? What, what have you What have you been trying? Uh, well, it was working really well until I ran out. But local honey, um, it's the first time I've ever tried it this year, and until yesterday, because I'd run out a few days ago. Um, 
yeah, I'd been fine and it was working really well. So um, weirdly, one of my friends, her dad has bees and has offered me some local honey. So she's going to sort me out at the end of the week. Do you have to put it in a drink or do you, do you just wow. lick, it off the, oh, lick it off the spoon? You've heard that, George, right? Yeah, I have. I just thought it was an old wives' tale, if yeah, I'm honest. But I'm now, yeah. um, no, I've been putting it on pancakes. Oh, lovely. Oh, that's a great idea. I was gonna say, you're not on the podcast to talk about hay fever. I mean, no. <laughs> I no, mean, as much that. as I would love to talk about it. <laughs> do, do you want to just tell us a little bit about your story and how you set up your page and your website and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so um, it was a bit of a lockdown creation, actually. I'd not long had my uh, second child, so I was on maternity leave. So my son was in NICU um, for a month when he was born. And at that time, nobody really talked about it. There wasn't, I didn't even think to look on social media, but I think even if I had, there wouldn't really have been anything about it on there. And I kind of figured, like, I can't be the only one. There must be... There must be so many other parents out there. Um, and so I saw it as an opportunity to sort of build a community um, so that if there's other people in the future that go through the NICU, they can sort of know from the get-go that they're not alone and all the feelings that they have about it. Perfectly normal. Sam, the NICU, the Neonatal Intensive Care Unit. So just yeah. talk to us a little bit about why you were there um, and the circumstances that, that, that brought you to be there for a month? We basically found out at our son's 20-week scan that he was going to be born with, um, well, they originally thought it was one big lesion on his left lung, and they didn't know how um, how he would be at birth. We weren't even 100% sure we would get to that point. Um, so it was a very stressful sort of last half of the pregnancy for me and my husband. Where I got induced at 39 weeks, and he, he came out crying. So for me... I was just a bit like, oh, well, he's breathing. He's fine. And unfortunately, he wasn't fine. I couldn't quite see that, like, his chest was um, sort of an odd shape. Um, And it turned out he couldn't really breathe sufficiently by himself. He wasn't even able to tolerate milk feeds. Um, So we spent a month in a, well, between our local hospital and Great Ormond Street, Um, They actually did his surgery when he was 19 days old and um, removed one of the lesions. Um, They left the other one in there in the hope that he would be able to live with it and touch wood so far so good. But it was, I think because it was our first child for us in in a strange way, that was our normal sort of staying in hospital for a month, um, having all the doctors and nurses there to sort of help care for him. Um, that was kind of normal for us. Um, so when we then went on to have our second child in April 2020, which obviously wasn't exactly normal circumstances either, um, we found ourselves at home with this newborn like hours later. Like, well, what do we do? Like, actually, yeah. what do we do? Because we we actually don't know. Yeah, it was a really difficult time. You you meant you just mentioned that you found out at your 20 week scan that there was going to be something that was wrong, and then you were induced at 39 weeks. So yeah. for 19 weeks, I guess you had this like hover, you know, lingering yeah. this thoughts, and I guess not really knowing how how was that? Because I, I as a first time mum, I can't imagine what that must have been like. It was just awful. There's no there's no way to sort of sugarcoat it. Um, I was actually signed off work pretty much from that point because um, at the time I was working um, for a travel company in the middle of a department store and you know when people just come up to you they see that you're pregnant and they ask you questions and they want to touch your bump and mm. I was like I can't even talk to like friends and family about what's happening let alone having to feel like I'd almost have to explain it to a complete stranger um, and because we had been told that there was a possibility we might not get to the end of the pregnancy mm. I think 
even though we were given sort of three options as to what could happen all you hear is the worst one and yeah that's sort of where my head was at we did I guess we were prepared in the sense that the feature medical consultant had suggested we go and have a tour of the NICU but I can honestly say I don't remember any of that I I don't know what I've done with it in my brain I know we did do it but I can't remember any of it um so they did obviously try to sort of prepare us so you know when he's born he will come here just to be assessed so that we can sort of work out what's what did they tell you how long he was going to be in there at that point do they have an idea no no. no, they had no idea just because they didn't know and actually because uh when I was pregnant with him they thought it was one big lesion once that he was actually out and they could do all the scans and things they realized that it was two two different um lesions so I guess like two problems that had to be sorted well yeah. rather than one big problem even sort of that last half of the pregnancy um because I was I was actually enjoying it up until the 20-week scan we hadn't actually that long arrived home from our honeymoon because we delayed our honeymoon by about six months and we were so excited to sort of come home and go for the 20-week scan because in our heads we were going to go and find out you know yeah. the gender of our baby and it didn't really dawn on us that anything could be wrong um, which hindsight, really naive. So Sam, were they were they explaining to you just to get an idea on what you thought might be coming once T was 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 around? Did they explain the procedure and ex- and, and give you kind of any more sort of in depth detail on what would be happening after his birth? Um, all they kind of said was that they would have to take him off to assess him because they had they honestly had no idea what his condition would be at birth. I guess the hope was that he would be absolutely fine and he would just be able to go home as normal. But I'm guessing, obviously, they don't let on too much, do they, sometimes? Um, so I don't want to worry you, but I'm guessing there was an element of he will be staying in there because otherwise they wouldn't have shown us yeah. around. But the only mm. things that I wish they had told us, which they didn't, what to do about feeding your baby because tube feeding isn't in the books. When you read yeah. about feeding your baby in all these um, antenatal books, it's always, you know, breastfeeding or bottle feeding. There was nothing about, you know, what if. It's just it's just not talked about. So I then had, I think, a midwife, I don't know, probably about 16 hours after he was born to say, well, have you started expressing? And I was like, well, <laughs> I so had what, what no is that? idea yeah. what I had to do in order to, um, you know, get my milk supply to come in. Mm-hmm. Um, because in my head, I was just going to pick him up and, you know, try and start breastfeeding him. Mm, mm. That's something I really wish they'd sort of discussed with me beforehand. And the other thing, and it might seem glaringly obvious to everybody else, but I didn't think about me being discharged and having to leave my baby behind in hospital. Mm. Yes. Well, I wanted to come to this. To, yeah. To, you might, yeah. Like a lot of people be like, well, that's so obvious. But to me, it wasn't obvious. No. I don't know whether I was just living in a, a bit of a fairy tale land but I remember I was desperate to go home I was obviously finding it really difficult with what was happening and he was in there and I couldn't see him um I couldn't just pick him up and just be with him the whole time like everybody else would do after having a baby so I desperately just wanted to go home and have some a bit of control over what was happening mm. Mm. and the midwife kept sort of saying to me like are you sure are you sure and I was like yes 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 I just want to go and it wasn't until I was leaving the hospital that I then realised, oh my god, I'm I'm going, but he's staying. Yeah. And so do they have you in shock. separate? So are you still on the maternity ward? And then, or what? How, how does that happen? I was really, really lucky. Um, there was a, a, a side room available in um, 
the antenatal ward that they put me in straight after I'd finished on delivery suite. They said, if you're in here, you can come and go to the NICU as and when you please. Um, you don't have to worry about like waking up any of the other mums or anything like that. But since I started the blog and my Instagram page and things, I've realised that I'm really lucky because so many mums are then put on the post labour wards mm. with all the other mums and their babies and they don't have their baby. They don't have theirs. Mm. And I, I'm not even going to begin to try and imagine what that's like because it must just be absolutely horrendous. And I really feel for anybody that has ever had to do that. Oh, God. A lot of people have said it's not helpful when midwives are coming in and swapping shifts and then sort of saying like, oh, well, where, you know, where's your baby? And they don't know. And then the mum has to sit there and explain. Which, Jesus again, Christ. I, I can't. That's really no, hard. That is awful. That is unbearable, isn't it? So just just talk us through, I'd just like to jog backwards slightly. Um, how was the labour? Was the labour nor- like, in inverted commas, normal? <laughs> normal. <laughs> normal? Um, yes. Yeah, so um, I was actually, I should have mentioned this, I was actually induced because I had really horrendous PGP. I was on crutches mm, for the last gosh. eight weeks yeah. of the pregnancy. Um, and I was just so deflated, so fed up. And I'd said to the consultant about being induced and he said, well, because we've got a lung problem, I'm not, I won't allow you to do anything before 39 weeks. But if you can get to 39 weeks, I'm very happy for you to be induced. And I said, okay, that's fine. Um, so I had um, a vaginal birth. Um, I initially thought that they want me to have a C-section just because I just assumed they'd want all the right people there all at the right time. Mm, yeah. But he was like, no, it's a lung problem. You need to squeeze all of that fluid off of his lungs to sort of give him, like, give him the best chance. So in the end, he was a four-step delivery because um, his heart rate just kept dropping and they were just like, we can't, we can't wait for this any longer. We just need to get him out. So uh, thankfully, he'd already had an epidural. They then did the episiotomy and used the forceps, got him out. And as yep. I said before, he came out crying. So I just was like, okay, he's fine. This is great. And then it all sort of deteriorated from there, I guess. So what happened then at that point? You heard him crying. Yep, they put him on my chest um, really briefly and then um, he was put in the little little cot thing that yeah. they have in the rooms. And then the NICU team um, came and took him and me and my husband already had the chat about what to do and we agreed that he had to go where the baby went. So they went off to the NICU and then I was just like on my own. Oh my gosh. The midwife obviously mm. popped in every now and then, got me my, my toast, which... Still the best toast I've ever had. But yeah, I just sort of found myself just sort of looking around, eating my toast, thinking, this is really bizarre because I I think I've just had a baby, but he's not here. Yeah. And I don't actually know what's happening at the moment because I need to wait for my husband to come back or the doctor to come back and sort of let me know what's going on. Um, I think I was on my own for about an hour and a half to two hours. The doctor came with my husband and explained, you know, that he's really struggling with his breathing um we need to do this 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 and this to be able to sort of determine exactly what's going on and then my husband and I just called like grandparents to let them know that he was here um but we didn't really know what was going on yet um and it was must have been so scary that must have been so scary (sighs) do you think that that affected your sort of I guess like bond with him in any way because we read so much about how the importance of like skin on skin straight away and and you see yeah. all these photos don't you of people after they've given yeah. birth and it's all of that isn't it and the partners, do you think that having yeah, exactly. yeah like that separation do you think that that had an impact on your 
bond at the beginning it was just really weird because I just I think it all boils down to the fact that I just mm-hmm. didn't feel like his mummy mm-hmm. um because you would just think that if he's not well you'd be the one to look after him but I couldn't look after him because he was too poorly for me to you know to be left to look after him um so I remember sort of going in um to see him in the NICU and obviously I had him on my chest when he was born but it was basically another 24 hours before I held him again properly and my husband had to wait 24 hours to hold him for the very first time um but even then we're very lucky that it was it was only 24 hours because there are so many other families who have to you know go days weeks months before they can hold their baby for the first time you feel like you have to ask permission from the nurses Mm. to hold your own baby not because Mm. you can't just scoop them up but because there's so many wires and leads and things everywhere you do need their help to be able to get them out of the incubators and things so um and we also just from checking the monitors and things, you could see that it sort of stressed him out a bit every time Mm. he was then picked up. So Mm. we limited ourselves. We made the decision ourselves that we were only going to hold him once a day in the evening before we were about to go home. Um, But that was like our normal. That Mm. wasn't, we didn't know any different at that point. Obviously NICU is a very broad term and most hospitals it is called the NICU or SCABU, which is a special care baby unit. But in our NICU, you had the intensive care and then high dependency unit and then um, SCABU, special care baby, unit, and then the nursery. Um, so once he got moved into the special care part of the department, part of the ward, sorry, I was able just to pick him up whenever I wanted because I think he maybe had one need on him at, at that point, if that. We'll be right back after this short break. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? What is that like when you go home? You know, like you're saying when you're in hospital, the, the, there's the midwives around and, you know, you're, you're, looking at him and whatever but when you go home especially as you've never been home as a parent what is that like does it feel like you're going back to your old life like what how how is that I think for me personally um I found it really heartbreaking and I think that was the point where I realized that things were really not okay so I remember getting in the car and seeing the empty car seat and just completely breaking down So I remember when we got home, my husband took the car seat out of the car and put it back in the house. And he was like, you're not seeing that every day. You're not going to see that in the car Mm. every day when we come home without him. That will go back in the car on the day we know that we're going to bring him home. And that's exactly Mm. what happened. But we then spent, we were 
at our local hospital there for about a, a week and a day, I think. And then we were had a blue light transfer um, down to Great Ormond Street. We knew that we would have to go down to Gosh, but we were waiting really patiently for a bed to come up on their NICU because the surgeons at our hospital just sort of said his case is so complex, we don't feel confident doing the surgery, so we would right. much prefer to send you down there, which we agreed to. Um, so, yeah, so we had the blue light transfer. This was at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, we got to Gosh... Um, just after five o'clock in the morning had had no sleep at all that night and that was only like a day or so after I was able to walk properly again post episiotomy Mm. and I remember Mm. saying to my husband like thank god this wasn't like three or four days ago because that ride in the ambulance would have just been so so the pain so yeah yeah so we got we got to gosh and then he had I call it his little moment um where things really looked like they were going to be quite hairy and they almost put him on a ventilator but luckily he sort of clawed it back at the last second and they said no actually we're gonna put him on a CPAP which um, is like a little mask that's like forced air into them and it kind of looks like a bit like an elephant's trunk but it goes all the way over the back of their heads Um, so I've got these really cute little pictures of him where I say that he's like my little elephant boy so I'm hoping by sort of referring to it as that that he sort of sees it as sort of like a sweet thing that happened when he was a really little baby rather than oh I had all these tubes and wires and I was really poorly how so I guess a couple of things I, I mean for anybody listening to this that's either been um, knows somebody that's going through it or you know yeah. maybe even has been given some terrible news and that they're kind of coping with you know maybe something similar to you yeah could you just give us an insight into what being part of that NICU world is like as in you know the support that you received you know your access and stuff like that just to just yeah. to maybe sort of shed shed a bit more light into it the whole NICU community um I'm really pleased that I found it because I found myself when I was writing posts and things sometimes being a bit bold and sort of putting those really ugly feelings out there sort of what really do you helped mean? me what what sort of feelings would you say were the ugly feelings? Almost like a bit of a failure, as does even having your baby in the NICU in the first place. I know I had a real big issue with my body. I felt like my body had done something wrong because they told me that the lesion had sort of started growing during his development. So what did I do in order for that to happen? Because it was in my body. So I must have done something And it took me a really, really long time to understand that it was nothing to do with anything that I did. It was just one of those things that happened. And I know that from speaking to other mums who've had a baby in the NICU, whether that's a premature baby or a full term baby, Mm -hmm. there is that, you know, that anger that you have at your body that you feel really let down by it. But, you know, the majority of the time or all of the time, it's not going to be anything that you have done. Mm. it's something that has happened that's beyond your control there's nothing you could have done to prevent it and as awful as it sounds it is what it is we can't change it but what we can change is when you are then in the NICU you can feel less alone you can understand that there's lots of other people who've been through a similar journey there's other people that you can talk to like I didn't really talk to anybody about it there's also this like misconception that as soon as the baby's well enough to go home that you forget everything that's happened you forget all of that trauma and that's just not the case at all Mm. so I remember feeling really sort of not myself around his first birthday 
I'd planned like a first birthday party and I planned all this lovely, lovely things. Obviously he was never going to remember. It was never about him. It was all about me making up for the, the day he was born. And then the beast from the East hit and everybody was snowed in. We had to, you know, postpone the party. Nobody really got to see him on his first birthday. And again, I felt like I'd failed because I wasn't mm. giving him the happy day that he deserved on the day he was born. Bearing in mind what happened when he, when he was born. Mm. Mm. that's that's that must be so difficult to kind of process and I imagine you might still be processing that still now I yeah I think so he was six in March I think that might be the first birthday he's had where I haven't cried mm. um I remember when he turned five five for me is quite like a almost milestone yeah definitely birthday um and I remember sort of getting caught up in it a couple of times just sort of thinking to myself there was a time where I didn't think he'd have one birthday let alone get to his fifth birthday Mm. and he was at school and it was just that realization that it was really shit when he was born and he was really poorly and there were moments where I felt like perhaps he wouldn't come home with us but look at him now he's at school where he's you know, he's five or he's sort of six now. Like, how lucky are we? Because there are mm. there are so many babies that go to the NICU, heartbreakingly, don't get to go home with go. their families. Has it made you more of an anxious parent? Definitely. I really struggle when either of them now, if either of them get poorly, I really struggle with it. There is this sort of worry as to sort mm. of what might happen, like that worry of having to take them back into hospital. Um, I don't struggle with taking my youngest to the hospital so much, um, but definitely with T. Talking about remembering things, how much are you saying to T? How many photographs have you shown him? You know, what's that conversation like? Both of them, oddly, like to sit there and look at baby photos of each other. So I do make sure that I do show the ones of um, T when he was poorly. Um, I try not to, like, I've never shown him, I have got photos of him when shortly after his surgery. So he was 19 days old when he had his surgery, gosh, and he's got the ventilator in. I haven't shown him those ones, but ones of him with um, like bandaged up hat, like his hand or his feet, um, the wires sort of around his face. Um, he's seen all of those. Um, and we just sort of say to him, look, you you were really poorly when you were born. Um, you were, we were really lucky. There was lots of wonderful doctors and nurses who helped uh, mum and daddy make you all better. And then you were able to come home with us. I guess in a way he may feel that that's the special thing about him. I think all children want to think or want to know that there's something special about them, don't they? And I think for him, that's his that's his thing. Um, mm. And he does look a little bit different, like his chest, um, he has a, a very big dip in his chest, which is called a chest recession. From that perspective, he knows that his chest looks different, like from his brothers. They've sat in the bath before and they can pour water into his um, and it would just sit there as like a little pool. Whereas if they did right. it on his younger brother, obviously it just comes straight yeah, off come, of him. Yeah, yeah, so they yeah, know yeah. that there's a difference, but they've kind of, I, I guess, embraced it. Like yeah. it's not, it's not become an issue. Um, and he's got um, two scars sort of under his arm from uh, where they operated on his lung. Um, and I actually bought, before he started school, there's this amazing book called um, The Wonderline, which um, was written by a woman called Vicky Gooden. And it's about how lots of people, children, adults, teen- like everybody can have these like wonderlines, so scars. And I basically bought him that before he started school because I thought, if anybody sees it at school, I don't want him to be embarrassed or 
um, ashamed of it. I want him to sort of embrace it. And so he's he's never called it his scar. He always refers to it as his wonderline. That's I a nice that. thing. That's, That's a really nice way of looking yeah. at it. Yeah, never yeah. heard of that before. I it love really it. It really is. Why, why should we be having these conversations? So why do you think it's important for you to be here today talking on this podcast? Part of it is to let those who are going through NICU know that they are not alone. There's a whole community out there of people who will understand how you're feeling, whether that's during the time that you're in the NICU or even afterwards. But also, because it's not talked about at all, it's then a big shock for parents if they find themselves in there. It's not really mentioned in antenatal classes. There seems to be like a bit of a debate within the community about whether it should or shouldn't be discussed antenatally or not. Um, I personally feel like it should be. They discuss um, what happens in an emergency C-section. Mm. So I don't see why they don't sort of mention the NICU or the SCABU and give people an idea of not just like the really big reasons as to why a baby might be in there, but there's other reasons like with jaundice and things like that. It's then less of a shock for people if they know it's a, possi- yep. it's a possibility. Yeah, it feels yep. less scary. Yeah. And like the other thing is, if you know somebody who's got a baby in the NICU, because you don't know what it's like, because people don't talk about it, you can't necessarily be the best support to that person that you can yep. be because you, yep. you you just don't know. You can't you can't imagine it if you don't know anything about it. So I think that's one of the reasons why I talk about it quite a lot is because it, it's not just about the people who do find themselves there. It's about the people on the outside of it looking in and sort of the best way to help those families. What would you say to someone who has a friend or a family member who is going through this at the moment? How could they support their friend? So there's a few things that you can do. The main one is just sort of listen, like let them rant about it, let them get all these feelings off their chest without sort of having somebody say, oh, well, at least this, at least this isn't happening. At least you can do this. At least is like the worst phrase that you could use when you're talking about um talking about the NICU with somebody making sure that um they've got food at the end of the day um like we were always just popping into like Tesco Express on the way home to buy some food and you're you're obviously not thinking about buying meals and things like that and going to junior food shop so being able to come home to cook meals would be is always a really good one and I think the other thing is um it can cost a lot of families a lot of money Mm. if they're traveling um by car to like an hour a day, two hours a day there and back. Um, petrol isn't cheap. The car park <clears throat> isn't a cheap thing either. Um, it's these little things that sort of all add up and you kind of don't, you don't see it as that. And obviously yeah. as a parent, you know, we wouldn't have necessarily wanted people to, you know, give us money for those things. But there will be people, especially in the times that we live now, yeah, that kind of that. support might be really, really beneficial for family. Because you don't think about it like that. No, no you, you don't. don't. You don't think about the car park and the yeah. petrol no. and the travel and all of yeah. that. No, definitely yeah, not. Yeah, it's a really nice idea. Um, so we would love to hear about your products that kind of helped you get through that period uh, of time. We always yeah. love people's recommendations. The Medela breast pump. So in the hospital, that was what we had. Um, they have what they call, they were like hospital grade ones. Yeah. Um, but I then since have used Medela outside of the hospital. And I have to say that was the best the best one that I have ever used and that I always say to people when they're pregnant like make sure you look at that one you can hire them you don't have to buy them yeah that was an absolute godsend for me that's the one that I used that's the one that makes that like marching sound 
Yeah, I feel like and the kids used to do like a little now. dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> they 100% have to be. <laughs> and then we were given um, little knitted squares in the NICU. So I would basically essentially stuff one down my bra and then he would keep one and then we would swap so that I could then smell him when I was expressing at home. And then he had something that smelled like me when I wasn't Ooh. there. And there is um, a company called, um, they make something called a Cusky. So both my two have got them. They're made out of this material that really absorbs scents really well. Um, but you can actually get mini Cusky, I think they're called mini boos, Cusky mini boos, um, which are much smaller. And the idea is that mum has one on her, baby has one with them in the incubator yeah. and then once they smell of each other you swap them over oh, so right. if that's anybody so knows lovely. people on the NICU that's a really good gift um to get for, to get for the family um and you can get them all different colors and things and they're really really sweet there is a book I know I mentioned another book previously but there's another book called um the birth debrief which is by um Illy Morrison who's oh, yeah. mixing up oh, motherhood yeah. on Instagram We've had her on the podcast yeah. yeah yeah so she's amazing so she actually had me um contribute to the book which was a huge honor um so I wrote about NICU in there but regardless of whether you've been on NICU or not, that book is really good because it talks to you, talks about like your birth and it's got little like journal bits in it where you can write down your own feelings. And it's, you don't even have to have had a traumatic birth for that book to be relevant. I think it's a really, a really good book for anybody who's ever given birth to sort of have a read of. A Velcro swaddle blanket. So we'd never had a swaddle blanket with our eldest because by the time he came out of hospital, he was big enough to have a sleeping bag. But my youngest was actually really quite diddy. He was only six, six when he was born. Um, so he was miles away from being able to fit in a sleeping bag and swaddling at three o'clock in the morning when there's no Velcro involved. I mean, I just never got my head around it. I could never, ever do it. You I couldn't was do useless. it. No, no. every time I did it, Axel would have his arms back out again. I'd be like, Georgia would but be like, what about now? What about change? now? Have I done it now? Have I done it now? And then you'd yeah. see Axel just going. Yeah. And be like, you no, you haven't Escape. done it. No, you still haven't done it. again. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, and then the other thing that I loved, which I didn't have the first time, which I really wish I did, was the snooze shade that you can have over oh, the buggy. Yeah. That was brilliant. I meant that when you've got more than one and one's supposed to be napping, but the other one wants to be out and about doing stuff, yeah. I could still go out and have, we could easily have nap time in the buggy. So... That, yeah, Love those. those. Are my five. They're brilliant. Amazing. <laughs> You've given us so much advice already in this podcast. But what would be like the one piece of advice that you would give to a new parent or somebody, you know, someone who's going through the experience that you had right now? I think I'd say um, trust your gut. Um, I think mm. it's really hard when you're a first time parent to like trust that. But I know, obviously, I'm in and out of hospital with mine quite frequently unfortunately but I now know that if I feel like something's not quite quite right that I need to sort of take them to the doctors call the hospital whatever I need to do um, and I think that applies to all like sort of cross the board with parenting the whole mum knows best I think that really applies you just have to trust yourself and, and sort of go with it um, it yeah. is something that we have to learn to do but I yeah that would definitely be the thing that I would say is my I agree. Parents. It's Thank wonderful you. advice. It's wonderful advice. Thank you so much, Sam, yeah, for coming thank on. Thank you, you for sharing your experiences. I know that oh, lots of people listening. Thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure to talk to you both. Yeah, loads Love of people that. listening will take away some brilliant bits of advice from today's podcast. So many thanks. And um, fingers crossed you stay out of hospital, Sam. Oh. Don't want you to go back now. Some yeah, months. definitely. Some yeah, yeah, yeah my side. exactly. Yeah. All right, lovely. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. 
Oh, we just want to say the biggest thank you to Sam for coming on because not an easy conversation to have. And I don't know, my takeaway from that was that even in the sort of darkest hours, it can work out in the end. You know, lots of positives to take away from that and some really sort of solid advice and information. Um, I know that's going to help a lot of people as well. Yeah, absolutely. And if you've got a friend or a family member who is going through something similar, then please do refer them to this episode. Um, and again, a big thank you to Sam. Yeah, and as always, we'd love you to rate, review, subscribe and please give the podcast a little follow then you won't miss an episode. Yeah, and if you've got any feedback on this episode or any others, you've got any guests you'd like to hear from, then please do drop us a DM on Instagram. We're on at Maybe mummers and we'll be back on friday made by mummers is an insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the lovely charlotte mason insanity group ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina.